Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Comfortable Discomfort. Today we are going to be picking up part two of my two-part series, Becoming, a reflection on Michelle Obama's Becoming. Uh, If you haven't already listened to the first part, I recommend you listen to it, but know that you won't necessarily be lost if you do not, uh, because I've been going in order of the book, basically. So today, we are picking up with Obama's run for presidency, Michelle's role in that, and that will finish off the last part of Becoming Us, and then we will pick up Becoming More. And I will share any final takeaways that I have from this wonderful, inspiring book. So, without further ado, let's get right into it. Okay, so we are going to get into Becoming Us Part 2. And basically um, starting to talk about uh, how Michelle... um, you know, Barack decides that he wants to run for president. And it's interesting because um, this is after, like, Barack wins. He wins something. I think it's, like, a seat in the Senate or something like that. Um, and basically, like, Michelle had said this. I think I, I don't know if I talked about this in the first part. But Michelle basically said that if he didn't win this whole Senate thing, that he was going to move on from politics altogether. Um, and... So he ends up winning that and, you know, he does some good things and people really start looking and see and like really start kind of being like, oh, is Barack going to win for president? Is Barack going to run for president? And uh, Michelle talks about how she and Barack never really like outwardly talked about it, but she could kind of see his mind like spinning and she knew that it was coming and she knew that he probably wanted to do it. Um, So Michelle lets Barack run for president. Um, it's interesting. Oh, it's an interesting word to use. Let. Um, I don't know if "let" is really the word, but it's not like. Um, how do I say this? It's not that like Michelle controls Obama. It's just that like obviously when you do something as big as the presidency, you want to make sure your wife is on board with this because it's a. It, it at the end of the day, they are in a partnership. Um, him being president is obviously going to affect Michelle's life. It's going to affect their their children's lives. So yeah, he had to run that by Michelle, of course, for those of y'all being like, oh, why did he do that? But you know, um, that's just kind of how it is. But basically, um, you know, they start the campaigning. Um, and I think the campaigning was an interesting time for Michelle Uh, They spent a lot of time in Iowa because I don't know why I can't lie to you, but Iowa is actually really important in the presidential elections. Oh, I think I know why. Please don't quote me on this. But I think it's because like Iowa comes out so early that it helps to determine what the momentum of the rest of America will kind of look like, if that makes sense. Um, But basically, people would always ask the question, what was it like to be a five foot eleven Ivy League educated black woman speaking to a room full of mostly white Iowans? I honestly don't understand why people choose to ask this question. Um, I think it's kind of the whole idea of like trying to trying to paint the idea that Michelle is really different from these white people. Um, and if I didn't say this earlier, obviously Michelle played a big role in the campaign trail. Um, you know. Barack had to have the support of his wife, and um, as she points out, 
uh, Michelle was basically like a sit-in for Barack if he wasn't there. So a lot of times they wouldn't run the trail together, if you know what that means. But anyways, back to this whole idea of trying to like basically try to separate Michelle from these Iowans. Um, Michelle kind of describes it, and I really appreciate this from Michelle. Uh, Michelle describes it as, you know, they actually have very similar stories. Um, a lot of similar stories are like in, in terms of the way that they grew up and things like that. Like, I think she says that she, uh, she sees, she sees her, uh, her mom's side of the family, her grandpa, um, in these white islands. So I think, you know, Michelle, I think Michelle had a good experience with that. And that question to me was just, uh, it just kind of puts a knife in the whole situation, um, of something that she actually thought was really powerful. And, um, you know, I think, um, I don't remember when this actually happened, but I remember that she's like sitting with her, uh, her chef, her, his name is Sam and they're sitting somewhere and they're talking about how, you know, they could, um, they could grow vegetables to help advocate for fresh food in the White House. And Michelle just talks about how they kind of burst out laughing. It's kind of like they'd be like, well, he's not going to win. So like, why are we even thinking like this, you know? Um, And I, I honestly don't think it's that Michelle didn't believe in Barack. I think it's that Michelle didn't believe that America was ready for a Black president. Um, and we, we see how far that goes. Um, so, you know, now we get into kind of the idea about, like, people are, as Michelle puts it, crazy rumors swirled about Barack. Falsehoods were routinely debunked by reputable news sources. Like, I think for Michelle, this whole campaigning was really hard because people were painting Barack in a light that... Like, it's hard to see the love of your life be painted the way that Barack was often painted. Uh, people thought that he was a secret Muslim. Um, you know, people also, the whole, like, birth certificate thing where people thought he was actually born in Kenya, um, that type of thing. And I don't think, I, I'm not too sure, but I do not think that Barack is the first Black person to run for presidency. But I think that Barack is a little bit different because Barack's name, and mind you, this is like years, this like what, like seven years, about seven, six, seven years after 9-11, and Barack's name was Barack Hussein Obama. So that name in America just really like tripped him up, and um, it even, Michelle even talks about how there were so many threats against Obama, like they were like serious threats that he got Secret Service, like, assigned to him, like, a lot earlier than any presidential candidate did, because, like, normally you get it, like, a few weeks before the inauguration or something like that, but he got it way earlier than that, so, um, yeah, so Michelle talks about that, and, and then Michelle talks about how, um, how young people really played a role in this this race to the White House. And I think she's acknowledging how young people can really be a foundation in any campaign race. And to me, that's because we're the future. Um, at the end of the day, these old politicians, you know, they're going to die in a couple of years. Sorry to say it, but 
that's really how it is. We are the future of this country. And um, when we believe in something, I think that when you have our support, I think it can make all the difference. And I think we even saw it in this past election as well. Um, so I forgot about this, but tell me why Barack was running against Hillary in this. I forgot that Barack and Hillary are running at, against each other. And like Hillary was low-key kind of like bashing Barack and whatnot. But um, one thing that Hillary says that kind of stands out to me is that she just, in one debate or something like that, she talks about how, like, change is just a word. Um, like, it doesn't really mean anything. So, like, the whole premise of what Barack was running on is just kind of stupid, basically. And, Hillary, if you're listening, I kind of disagree with you because I don't think change is just a word. I think especially when it's backed up by action, um, like, I think we see this in Barack's presidency um, like, the actions that he tried to bring about, like, I think that really just shows change, and, um, to me, I always say, you know, I'm changing the things I can't accept one day at a time, and sometimes, like, the change that you're bringing about isn't always measurable, but it's happening, and I think that's what Hillary fails to realize in this situation, um, so, yeah, and I think, uh, I actually really like the way that Barack ran. Um, and mind you, I was like six years old when Barack was running the first time. So I don't really remember this. But like reading this book kind of like gave me like a background picture. And I think Barack really tried to run on a unifying message, which I think is really important in America back then and even today. And I think even today, even more because in America, we are so polarized. Like it's really just like red versus blue which is really sad. And um, honestly, I hope that one day we can just, you know, realize that we all kind of have the same common goals. And um, I don't know if I talk about this. I think that, yeah, I do talk about this later because I did actually outline this time. But um, yeah, so I I really like the message that they ran on. Um, but Michelle talks about how this campaign was actually really challenging for her personally, because obviously, like, people were really coming out, um, like, how do you, well, were really coming for her in a way that they hadn't really came for her before, um, like, she would say one thing, and people would kind of get upset, um, and she talks about how, you know, um, when she was growing up, her parents would, as she puts it, the key was never to let a bully's insult or aggression get to you personally, but this whole, you know, key to life was really challenged in Michelle's 40s. I don't think she ever thought it would be challenged that way. But it was really hard for her because, like, a lot of the things that people were saying, like, I know that's, like, hard not to let that get to you. So um, Michelle really had to work through those own personal challenges. And I think, to me, this kind of puts out to Michelle's famous motto slash quote, uh, when they go low, we go high. So. I think Michelle always uh, exemplifies this, and I think she does a good job of not falling into that pit, basically. And another thing, like, another thing that, like, people were kind of um, upset with her for, or I'm sorry, actually, let's talk about how she took a leave of absence from the hospital, because she was still trying to work at the hospital while being on the campaign trail, 
But obviously, that was a lot harder than she thought. Like, a lot of flying, a lot of things like that. So she decided to take a leave of absence. And to some people, that may look like a defeat. But to me, like, it's... To me, she realized, like... She realized her priorities. And I think that, you know, as much as she wanted to be able to do the hospital job, too, she realized that she couldn't do it all. And she wanted to be with her kids, too. And she was kind of sacrificing that time with her kids to go to the hospital and do that work. Um, So I don't think it was a defeat. I think it was the right decision. Uh, Michelle also talks about how like, in this campaign, she kind of realized that people are hungry for change, like, in the polls and whatnot, uh, but I think the whole people are hungry for change thing, like, I think the people that are hungry for change, we're still a minority. Like, I'm thinking about this past election and the margin that Biden won by, it kind of just shows that, like, people aren't as hungry for change as we think they are, if that makes sense. Like, obviously, the turnout was great in this um, past election, but I think that we're still a minority, and America still has a long way to go to becoming a country that, you know, is truly one that is great, as you might put it. But, um, and that gets to the point of uh, Michelle... Michelle, in one of her speeches, I don't, I, I'm sorry, like, the details, the minor details, I'm kind of forgetting, I hope that's okay, but I also don't want to spoil too much, because if you read the book, you'll kind of understand where I'm coming from, too, um, but basically, in one speech, Michelle says that, like, Michelle basically said something like, oh, today I am proud of my country, that type of thing, and the way people twisted that type thing, they were like, well, look, Mary, uh, Michelle isn't a patriot, that type thing, this, that, and the latter. And to me, that moment, in hindsight, it shows how people will take the little things you say, add weight to it, and just twist it and try to make like a whole story from it. But I personally think it's more than okay to say that you haven't always been proud of your country. Because I'm sitting right now in my room, you know, and I'm not a proud American. Like, I think before before COVID and all the racial issues that happened in summer 2020, I was pretty, like, naive. I was like, you know, I live in a great country, this, that, and the latter. But the way that America dealt, has dealt and continues to deal with corona, it just really has not made me proud to say that I'm American. And I think that it's okay to say that you aren't proud because it shows, uh, I think about the whole idea of open to growth. We should be open to the idea that we aren't the best and that not everybody is proud of who who we are right now and that we need to be better. And I honestly just think that's what Michelle was just trying to say and people just twisted it the wrong way. Uh, so, and this kind of also goes to the whole idea of, to me, and I hate this so bad, like, Michelle uh, was is a really passionate woman about like certain issues, and I just don't like how people paint a black woman's passion as them being an angry black woman. Like, why can't we just be passionate? Like right now, like you know, I'm passionate as hell about race issues, about maternal fetal medicine, um, that type thing, and like I just don't want to be seen as an angry black woman just because I'm hella passionate. You know what I mean? And that's what I feel like happened a lot to Michelle. And I think it's a very dangerous and demoralizing stereotype because 
it really just kind of it makes it makes to me I think it makes black women push down their passions and just kind of like skate by but you know what if y'all want to think of me as angry go ahead and think of me but I'm just passionate you know that's all I am so um and that kind of just leads to Michelle talking about how she learned so much from being on the campaign trail from people like military spouses and things like that. And uh, I think this also, again, highlights what I was trying to say in the first part about getting to know people before you write them off. Um, she never had really had experiences with military spouses, but she had that experience and it really just showed her a different light and things like that. So I think we need to be open to having different experiences. And I think that's the lesson that you can pull away from that. Um, and, you know, Michelle's, like, final speech that she gives, like, before Barack is elected, she talks about, like, the illness of her father, father, and, like, its resilience, basically, and, um, basically, as she puts it, she says that Barack was the right person for this moment in history. Okay, so now we are going to get into becoming more. And before, like, I, like, you know, basically I kind of, like, skimmed through the book and, like, realized the different parts, uh, kind of figuring out how I was going to break up the podcast. And uh, before I read the book, I thought that becoming more was going to talk about her life after the White House. But this really just talks about her journey as First Lady. Um, and, yeah, so without further ado, let's get, let's get right into it. And honestly, like, I could not imagine being in Michelle's shoes. Being the first Black First Lady of the United States, like, that's that's different. And just, like, already, like, just being First Lady just comes with a lot of things. And then to have the added kind of, um, the added difference of being the first Black one. Like, I think that just really changed things. And as Michelle puts it, she, um, I'm sorry, she, oh yeah, as she puts it, she worried that many Americans wouldn't see themselves reflected in me or that they wouldn't relate to my journey. And I think, you know, Michelle's, Michelle's fear, I think that that it's a very valid one because at the end of the day, it is a majority white country. And I think, um, I think that for many Americans, for as many Americans that were ready for Obama to become president, there were, obviously there were less Americans that felt like he wasn't, but still, they still were present. And um, I think Michelle obviously would feel that weight. And uh, I think, honestly, though, I just think that Michelle did her best, though, like when I think about it. And... She just talks about how, like, going into the White House before, this is, like, before inauguration, basically, she talks about, as she puts it, I knew I'd be happiest if I could engage actively and work toward achieving achieving measurable results. Um, and this is things like her, her work with the military spouses and things like that. Um, you also have her wanting to do the garden, and she wants to improve children's health and nutrition, which was actually a big issue back when uh, Obama became president for the first time. 
um, childhood obesity was just on another level. And I think this kind of just, to me, I bring it all the way back to when Michelle was deciding to leave, leave being a, a law, a lawyer, uh, like a formal lawyer, and um, her wanting to really do something that made her happy. And I think she realizes this. And I think that being first lady is actually, honestly, you have like so many resources available to you and the sky is the limit as to what you can do in terms of, in terms of change. And I think for Michelle, this was probably like one of the perfect jobs for her. Um, And we, yeah, so, you know, we're just going to kind of try to coast through this um, or not coast, but try to get to know Michelle more because becoming more like we are no we are getting to know Michelle in a different light as being the first lady of the United States and this is actually like if you think about it this is actually how we know how most of us know Michelle as the first lady of the United States like did I know when I and also I was I'm told like I said I was six seven years old when Michelle uh when Obama was first running for president so when I started to know Michelle. Michelle was first lady. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. So Michelle was able to convince her mom to move to Washington with them. And then we get to the day of the inauguration. I I can't lie. I never actually, like, I actually, there are some things, like, after reading this book that I was like, oh, I need to watch footage of this because I want to see, like, how it was. Um, But the day of the inauguration... I already know that day was just for, especially for minorities, for Black Americans, for just for loads of people. That day was just, it just hit different. Like, it was just a day in history, and it meant a lot to many Americans. And uh, Barack talks about how this little, uh, about this, uh, about this thing referring to the Little Rock Nine that he, as he puts it, he aspired to climb the steps of the White House because the Little Rock Nine had dared to climb the steps of Central High High School. And I was like, yes, Obama. You know what I'm saying? Like, that actually just really hits, and it just really just brings together different moments in history. And to me, it just shows that, you know, because they... Like, it it reminds me of the uh, whole thing that people always say, um, they walked so I could run. The Little Rock Nine stepped on those steps so Barack could step on those steps of the White House. And I think that's powerful. And I can only hope that we continue to have moments like that in history where, you know, when we have the second Black president of the United States, or maybe it's not even a Black president, when we have the first Mexican president of the United States, the first woman of the president of the United States, you know, because I am looking forward to those moments in history because I'm not going to lie, no hate to anybody out there, but the whole idea of white men wanting this country, it's not going to be enough for me anymore. We need to have more diversity. We need to have, we just, you know, we just need to have different people walking up those steps. You know what I'm saying? And I think, um, I think the years to come, after this presidency and maybe a second term 
it's not be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens in America in terms of who we elect as president. And um, you know, at the inauguration, Beyonce sung at it. <laughs> like Beyonce singing at an inauguration, like that already to me is historical because I don't know who they had singing before, but I know it wasn't Beyonce. So, you know, it's just, it's continuously like mind boggling when you're reading about it, especially when you weren't old enough to recognize the power of it when you were younger. Like right now reading on it and reflecting is just really powerful. And that's probably why I sound really like passionate, really emotional, you know, things like that. And Michelle talks about how being first lady, it's overwhelming. Like, I think that day she says that they went to like six balls or something. And then when they were finally going to go hang out with their friends and family, Michelle said, nah, I I have to go. And um, that's just, and to me, just shows the overwhelming part of it. And, um, I think that in that moment, a lesson that you can pull away is that, again, and this kind of reminds me of her leave of absence too, it's not defeat, it's recognizing, like, how much you can take, and I think that's what happened to Michelle in that moment when she decides not to go to that little after party, as you would put it, and Michelle also, you know, um, basically now it's the inauguration, we're getting into the moments of them being in the White House now. Like, that first night where you lay your head on a pillow in the White House, like, I'm sure that night just hit different. Like, you, it's just, wow. I just, I can't even imagine, um, I can't imagine how that was. And, you know, Michelle, as she puts it, was, uh, this is kind of like a broken up quote, but as she puts it, the truth was that in all of this, the girl and the girls and I were supporting players, meaning that like the light, as much as the light was on Barack, the light wasn't necessarily on Michelle, Malia and Sasha, which there are kind of like good aspects and negative aspects to that. But I think overall, I think Michelle just is realizing how, how much, um, how little weight she has compared to Barack. And that's when we get into, you know, if you guys think about it, um, I'm not sure exact ages. Like if I think, I think if I remember, um, if I remember correctly, uh, Malia was like 10 and Sasha was like six, seven, that age, like around that age, I want to say, um, let me actually just look that up real quick and get y'all some real numbers here. Okay, so uh, Malia is currently 22. He was president in 2009. So she was... I can't do math. Mm, 12, minus 12. So she was, yeah, she was 10 years old. So there's about like a three-year difference between her and Sasha. So Sasha was like six, seven years old. So... They basically grew up in the White House. By the time Malia, by the time time they left the White House, Malia was going off, Malia had finished high school and she was going off on a gap gap year. And Sasha had a couple years left at school and then she would be finished with high school. So 
they basically they for the but they spent the majority of their lives in the White House, which is interesting. And Michelle talks about how that can be kind of challenging. Um, it's different than growing up on Ulysses Avenue like her and Craig did, because you know they have they were doing things on their own. You know, you make your bed, you make your supper, or you eat at the table with your family. You know that type of thing. You do normal chores, and um, that's different because in the White House, they're basically at your beck and call. You tell them to make your bed, they gonna make your bed. That type of thing. But the way that Michelle dealt with that is that she reduced a lot of protocols. Um, and as she puts it, it's that her, it's that so her daughters could still be polite and gracious the same way that, um, Marion and Fraser raised Michelle and Craig. She wanted her daughters to be raised the same way. So they made their beds. They were allowed to rummage through the pantry, that thing, that type of thing, basically. And that was kind of like the, the overall, um, story of, that was kind of the overall message of their time in the White House, of the Obama's time in the White House. Like, they did reduce, like, a lot of protocols. A lot of things that past presidents had kept, they didn't necessarily do. Like, um, for example, the butlers and, like, the housekeepers and things like that, they didn't have to wear, like, the full suit and tie as long as nobody was coming to the house. So they, like, had casual Fridays or that type of thing, which I think is really interesting. And... Um, I think that just kind of further points to who the Obamas are as people. And uh, and I, I asked myself, myself this question early on in this chapter, but then later on, I kind of realized that this really wasn't the case. Um, well, I asked, basically, I asked myself this. I, I'm wondering if they would, if you could argue that Malia and Sasha were sheltered in a way, from life's issues, or maybe they were magnified because their dad was president. And I think actually, they're, in a way, they were actually magnified because, you know, uh, even going to school, the eyes were always on them. When issues happen, Barack is the first one to know. So I think, if anything, and I think Michelle talks about this too, I think they were able to do a good job of um, basically being at the forefront and trying to educate their girls about what goes on in life and world issues as much as they could. And I think the White House, you could argue, is the perfect platform for that. So I got that question debunked later on when I was reading. And um, so then Michelle starts to do her work with children's health and nutrition. And, um, you know, Michelle brings up a good point. I was thinking about this while I was reading the book. And do you see more advertisements for a juicy McDonald's burger or a meal from Burger King or, you know, your, just your general fast food joint than you do, as she puts it, the gratifying crunch of a carrot or the unparalleled sweetness of a tomato plucked right off the vine? Like, I cannot, I cannot actually quantify for you. I could probably count on one hand the amount of times that I've seen a commercial like that compared to the amount of times I've heard or seen a commercial about a juicy McDonald's burger or chicken nuggets or your typical fast food joint, that type of thing. So I think that's an interesting thing that she tries to work on. Um, and um, she, bro, she did a lot of work with that. I didn't realize how much she did, but she worked with like channels like Disney and stuff 
to do like more things like let's move um like I remember Disney started doing the whole like showing like healthy meals and that type thing like I remember on Arthur um they would show videos of like healthy food that type of thing so she did a lot of work to make sure that kids were seeing more information about eating healthy and she did the whole cafeteria lunch program which um in retrospect, I think a lot of people didn't really like that program necessarily. Um, I think they've they've actually, uh, since uh, our current president right now, I think they've actually dropped that program. Um, I'm not too sure, but she, she really did the work. She put in the work. Um, and I wrote this down because, and I was trying to talk about this earlier when I was talking about becoming us, but no shade, but shade. It's interesting to me how people in our very own country will work to dismantle policies and ideas that could be beneficial to all or most Americans just because they don't like the person who came up with it. And I think we see that a lot with, you know, certain groups trying to do that to certain other groups. And to me, I think that's just really sad that we can't all just, we just can't all work together and when we all have the common goal of making America the best it can be. And, um, you know, and I, I can only hope that one day we'll be able to work with each other and just kind of realize that we all have the same common goal. And that brings me to um, Michelle going to visit the Elizabeth Garrett Anderson School. This is when she... She and Obama go to the UK to visit the Queen, and as she puts it, they need to fight the invisibility that comes with being poor and female and of color. They would have to work to find their voices and not be diminished to keep themselves from getting beat down. And um, I think she that school is you know made up of a lot of minorities. You have uh, some Muslims that are in there, people, immigrant children. Um, those type of students that attend that school, and and they're also female, so kind of that that triple whammy right there, and I think she really is just trying to talk about um, kind of just the challenges that they will have to face, and I think she puts that in a good way, is that, you know, um, and as, as I said, you know, I am becoming a woman who knows my voice and uses it. So we got to we got to reflect more about who we are becoming and things like that. Um, and this brings me to uh, Michelle and Obama. Even in the White House, they had date nights. And this to me, <laughs> it's just proving to me how great their love is. And, you know, um, Obama is setting the the the. Um, the bar high for the man that wants to be in my life, at least, uh, because um, it's just their love is just so great. And I have some other things I would like to talk about, but I'm going to go ahead and break it off again. Um, and from there, we are basically going to talk about um, Michelle, uh, Michelle's work in the White House and just final thoughts and takeaways that I have uh, for this episode. So, to-
So I did leave a little bit of this book as a little bit of a surprise. You'll find that the last plot points of Becoming More are not found in this podcast. But I decided to include this last section as final remarks. As Michelle puts it, becoming isn't about arriving somewhere or achieving a certain aim. Instead, it is a forward motion, a means of evolving, a way to reach continuously toward a better self. The journey doesn't end. Becoming is never coming up, sorry, never giving up on the idea that there is more growing to be done. And that's where I want to say I am becoming a, as I said before, a woman who knows her voice and continues to use it. I am also becoming a woman who is learning the way of the world. I'm only 18 years old. I have a lot more of my journey to go. I'm interested to see where I'm headed in life. I don't know where it's going to be, but I know that with every step, I can be more. I can become more. And I am open to that, as should we. We should also be open to becoming people who are more open to getting to know other people as well. Becoming shouldn't just be about a personal reflection. It should be about a community reflection, a country reflection, And I hope that America becomes a place where everybody feels safe, regardless of gender, race, sexuality, any of those defining characteristics of someone. I hope that America becomes a country that I am proud of. And I hope it's a country that everybody can be proud of in its own right. for listening to another episode of comfortable discomfort as always i encourage you to continue to become comfortable with the uncomfortable and i leave you with a nelson mandela quote that michelle learned when she went to go visit him and it goes real change happens slowly not just over months and years but over decades and lifetimes so like Michelle says, there's, if there is one thing I have learned in life, it's the power of using your voice. I was reminded that day of how far our country has come and how far we still have to go. So keep that in mind. And I have a couple more episode ideas left in me before I go back to school. I'm hoping to give you guys at least two more episodes um maybe three if i feel inspired but i would like to thank you for uh being along on this two-part series and michelle if you're listening just know you really are an inspiration in my life peace